All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have Matt De La Valle, who runs uh, fitness coaching for us globally, and we are fired up to discuss a number of different topics. MDV, welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's do uh, this, baby. You are wearing a, uh, <laughs> a navy green it shirt. It is definitely black. This shirt is black. It is not navy green. There's navy no green. colors named navy green. You just made it up. <laughs> we, I did make it up. So it's Friday morning. We are fired up and ready to go today. And the topic of conversation, I put out something on Instagram asking for questions and feedback about what you guys were interested in getting into. And one of those came into how we program at the NC Fit Collective and for our NC Fit gyms in general. I would like to get into that towards the end, but before we get there, I was telling Matt, we get way, way, way too many direct messages, way too many questions about one particular topic. And I felt very compelled to talk about it because it's a very important subject. And it's, should I buy an existing gym? And then if I do have an existing gym, currently I'm an owner, how do I get it to a place where it's actually sellable? Hmm. It's super interesting topic because just this morning, I got probably at least five direct messages from people saying, hey, there's a really good opportunity. The owner of our gym is looking to exit. This is what we're looking to do. And so I want to dive into that. So let's unpack that for a second. First off, if you, let's, let's talk about it if you're, the cons, if you're the member trying to buy the gym. What should you be thinking about? And then we'll talk about vice versa. Mm-hmm. So step number one is you got to understand what is the value proposition that a gym has? And if it's owner-operated, meaning the owner coaches most classes, it's really owner-driven, which is challenging because if you buy into a business that's all based on this owner and that owner leaves, then then what happens to the business? Yeah. And members are traditionally on a month-to-month contract and not on annual contracts. And even if they were on annual contracts, if somebody wanted to cancel and leave because they weren't happy with the service, you should let them leave. So let's just say that revenue... Let's just say it's 10 grand a month, 20 grand a month. It's not guaranteed revenue because it's, it's on a month to month basis. Yeah. All those, all those people could be tied to the owner who, when he walks away, maybe he's going to do something else. Maybe he's going to open another gym, another fitness facility. They could all walk the next day, right? Not guaranteed. So that, that's step number one is you got to ask yourself, if you're looking interested in buying an existing gym, is this business predicated on one person or is it actually a business where if that person left for a month or two to go to Europe with their family, the business would still run. Yeah. Now I'm going to come back around to that if you're a current gym owner because it, it pertains to you, right? Yeah. I have another interesting point in, in regard to that too. Like what if the style of gym you are buying, right? The current style, the members are used to something like that and you come in with a whole new you know, set of rules and guidelines and a whole new philosophy. Are they guaranteed to stay then too? And maybe it's better, maybe it's worse. Who knows? But like, yep, that's Be- something you got to consider too. You're totally right because, for example, each gym kind of has this culture that's created. Yeah. And so you got to understand, do I want to buy into this culture or should I start from scratch, right? It's almost like you're, you're buying a house, okay? And that house might have a lot of the features that you like, but is it going to be cheaper for you just to tear it all down and start from scratch? Yeah. Or is it going to be better for you to remodel it? Yeah. I, I don't know. You paint in the walls, you turn it down to the studs. Exactly. Yeah. And so if you're someone out there who has an opportunity to purchase a gym, the first question I'd ask yourself is, is, is the business fully relied upon by this owner operator? Are they coaching majority of the classes? Step number one. Step number two, you got to start evaluating, Hey, what's the culture like? Does it align with my core values as an owner? Because if it doesn't, it's going to be very, 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 very challenging to change the culture from a coaching and a member perspective 
it's going to be much harder to change it than just to start from scratch. Yeah. And, and if you're okay with saying, Hey, listen, like, I don't care that it's reliant on this one owner. I don't care that my core values are different. Then you got to be okay starting at member zero, right? The next day you got to assume they're all leaving. Yeah. And so if you're assuming they're all leaving, that brings me into the next thing. So on the, on the more theoretical side, it's owner and then, uh, culture. I get it. But let's talk actual like numbers. If you're going into a business and their lease, so you gotta be really careful. I had a woman message me yesterday and she's like, I'm, I want to go to this gym. It's a great deal. It's, and I said, Oh, how long is the lease? She goes, Oh, it's month to month. It's awesome. I'm like month to month is not awesome. And the reason why month to month is not awesome. And this is really important for those of you who are interested in buying a business of any type to understand when you acquire a business, and let's just say you even paid 10 grand for it. If next month, the landlord decides to cancel your month to month contract, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you just bought a you're business. out on the streets. You're out on the streets. So here's the challenge with leases. And it's really important to dive into. Number one, if it's month to month, you shouldn't sign a deal. Just period. Because for two reasons, number one, all the members could leave or all, all the owner, the landlord could come and shut you down. Number two, which is potentially even more important is let's just say the landlord is super cool, right? We've had this situation. Landlord's super cool. Like, Hey man, you know, you're on a month to month, but I, I, I handshake deal that we got three years. The problem is a handshake deal is a handshake deal. And so you in the back of your mind won't want to invest effectively into the business because if every TI tenant improvement you do, you could be out next month. Mm. So you really going to invest 40 G's into a shower, right? And we've had this problem before we had to um, dissolve. Uh, well, actually two locations of ours, um, Saratoga Avenue was a great example. We didn't have a long-term lease. We knew that building was going to be torn down in the next three to five years. Yeah. So why are we going to go invest a hundred grand into it? Yeah. If it's going to be gone. Yeah. It's kind of like a month to month lease sounds attractive to somebody who's like, Hey, I don't want a long-term commitment, right? I want to be able to be flexible here. I've got a good deal going on with the guy. He shook his hand. He seems like a nice guy. That's like being in a relationship with somebody. And then like, you're saying, oh, hey, we're not exclusive. We're not exclusive. Until one day, it turns out that the other person's out there with somebody else and you're pissed off, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. That's it ex- could all go to shit like in an instant. In an instant. And um, we've seen this time and time again. And so if you are going to acquire a business, you need to ensure the lease the lease terms are very, very, very important. And they could actually bring a lot of value to the business. Mm-hmm. So let's take, for example, some of our spaces. We have some very competitive leases because we signed them five, six, seven years ago. Well, if someone took them over and the landlord was able to maybe allow them to utilize the same lease for the next five years, well, that could be a phenomenal value to the new owner because now they're getting a decreased um, rent number. Mm-hmm. But that is predicated that the landlord approves this new change, right? You got to look at your lease and see if that's a, that's okay. And then there's also a downside. So now if you take over this business and you get on the hook for five years, mm. now you're on the hook. Yeah. And you know, get into this whole topic of personal guarantees on long-term leases. And I've seen people getting way over their heads with those types of deals as well. So, you know, there's, there's definitely, um, an attractive benefit to, to being that month to month person who doesn't have the long-term commitment. You don't have any personal guarantee on it. You're only hooked in for one month, but the downside is like you're out on your ear if the landlord changes his mind, right? Yeah. So I think the good middle ground, in my opinion. So our first lease that we signed as a company was six months. I would not have done that again today. Mm. I wouldn't have because six months was too short of a time for me. You know, granted we didn't invest too much in TIs, so it's a fine line because if you do a short-term lease, 
you got to be okay that if in a year from now you're moving out, well, have you been able to optimize that location? So if you invest, let's just say 50 grand into equipment, okay, cool. You could take the equipment with you, but if you invest 20 grand into upgrading the, the facility and then a year later you move out, well, are you going to be able to recoup that 20 grand? Probably not. Hmm. And so how long, I think that the question everybody needs to ask themselves is how short is too short? Well, how short is too short? Well, number one is if you're going to have to constantly, as soon as you sign the lease, have to worry about getting another New building, space, yeah. right? And how short is too short? Well, if you do the numbers and even if you were successful, are you not going to be able to pay back the TI bill by the time the lease expires? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And those are two really important things to understand. Then on the flip side, how long is too long? Well, I mean, it's, that's your appetite for risk. You know, for us, we signed seven year deals now with seven year options. When we first started, I was looking at one year deals with options. If you can get options, that's the best way to do it ever because it's always in favor of the tenant, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, you know, again, you need to recognize that and you need to see, is it corporate backed or, or personal backed? That's going to be a debate that they're going to have to have, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, th there's a whole lot that goes into this and, and a lot of this comes down to um, due diligence for me. And we've talked about this before in, in another episode where like you have to know what you're getting into and not only your own personal finances, not only the risk appetite that you have, but also your financial projections, whether or not you're going to be able to afford the rent based on your revenue plus three months of expenses, right? So you're not you know, digging into personal expense, personal money to float the business. And then also like projections on what the real estate market's going to look like when you do sign these leases for five, six, seven years with options. You know, I think it's a lot more than just, Hey, this deal looks good on paper, or I'm really excited about, you know, creating a logo for my gym so I can move in the next day. You know? Yeah. There's so much to take into consideration. We looked at opening a location in San Francisco and we ran the numbers on it. It just didn't make sense because when we ran the numbers, we looked at how many members could we accommodate per square foot? Mm -hmm. How much does that per square cost us? Well, if we needed to charge our members $500 a month to be, to create a profitable business, we didn't believe the market could support 500 a month. Mm -hmm. We thought the market could support 300. So therefore that location in that space wasn't the right one. And everybody needs to do that due diligence, but back to purchasing an existing gym. Okay. Is it predicated on the owner? What's the culture like? What type of lease do they have? On top of that, is it zoned properly? I cannot tell you how many gyms we've seen take over because the, a member is passionate about it, but they but the, the the location is not zoned properly. So please, please, please be aware of that. Now, that brings us to the next step, which is evaluating this business, right? I think ultimately, if you're someone that's interested in purchasing a gym, it is how much equipment do you think it's worth in there, right? 20, 30, 40 grand, maybe some premium if it's a very competitive lease and you're able to take it over and zone properly. And then maybe some type of premium on if the membership is profitable. One of the problems that we see though, is that when these owners are showing these um, new members who want to take over the business, the, the P and L, mm -hmm. what they're not incorporating is their salary. So they'll say, Hey, we made 40 grand this year. That's what they'll say. The business was profitable 40 grand. The business actually wasn't profitable 40 grand because that's how much it would have cost at a minimum to hire the owner operator. You see what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. So at, at a minimum, they're, they're, it's net neutral. So when you're a member, if you're thinking about taking over a gym 
and your owner is telling you you have a profitable business, you need to ask himself, is this number of 40,000 profit inclusive mm-hmm. of your salary? And what was your salary? Because now you could assume if you pull out their salary because they're leaving, you could either pay somebody else to run the gym mm-hmm. or you could take it over and take on that salary. Yeah. You this, what I'm saying? this is a situation where somebody's looking to buy the gym. They may not necessarily want to be that owner operator. Who the fuck's going to run the gym? You got to pay that person, right? Right. So you have to take that in consideration when you're looking at the previous P&L. The owner operator, were they taking a salary for themselves? Is Are they incorporating that into what they're saying was the profitability of the business? Now, when you look at it, what's it going to take to hire somebody to run that same scope? Yep. And, and these are just things you got to think about, guys. And I mean, look, on top of all of this, you know, you got to start asking yourself, why do you want the business? Is it because you want a place to work out? Probably not a good reason. Is it good timing for you and your family to mm-hmm. buy, buy in this business? You know, how credible are you in this space? Yeah. What coaching experience do you have? What business experience do you have? And if you don't have experiences one way or another, then make sure you have a team around you that's going to be able to support. But at the end of the day, guys, look, if you're interested in buying a business that's a CrossFit business, you got to understand it's probably not worth what the owner thinks it's worth. Yeah. Overvaluation. It's overvalued. Yeah. And you got to start asking yourself, can I get back that investment in probably two to three years is, is, is typical rule of thumb. So if I paid a hundred grand for this business, am I going to be able to get back my hundred grand within two to three years? Yeah. I, the overvaluation comes from this kind of, uh, debate that a lot of people will have where, whether or not the active membership is guaranteed revenue or not. Right. And I, th- I think that the hard truth is that it's probably not, right? So you're basically buying a lease and equipment. Yep. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, and owners want to say, oh, no, these members have been you know, loyal. No, they've been loyal to you for seven years. That's not to say they're going to be loyal to the brand. Yeah. Which brings me to the flip side. If you're a gym owner out there right now and you think you want to exit in the next year, your number one priority right now should be to create a business and not a hobby. And what I mean by that is you should be able to leave the business and it should be able to run seamlessly without you. Mm. You need to have captains in place. that are going to crush it for you so that if or when you do want to sell your business, you can show that it's a brand. You can show that there's depth and it's not just one person running the entire show. Yeah. I think that this is a hugely important thing that we can talk about. And, you know, if you are unable to walk away from your business for a day without worrying that things are going to fall apart, you have some serious issues. What if you get hit by a bus, right? Like what happens then? And if you have family that are reliant on that income, like you have now created a huge liability for yourself, right? Uh, and not to mention, like, it's just bad business practice to have things that are solely reliant on just one individual, right? Having a team to support you in the processes in place to make sure that this thing keeps running so that you can go off and do other things, not only take vacation, but go off and like grow your business in other ways. That's hugely important. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before. If you're coaching seven, eight hours a day, then who's responsible to build your business? Yeah. But I think that if you're an owner out there, you've been in this space for five, six, seven years, you find yourself getting a little bit burnt out. And I know I'm talking to somebody right now. I know I am. Then you guys start asking yourself, what is the exit strategy? And you guys start laying the foundation for that today. And I'm not saying you're selling out or whatever. You're just exiting from this venture and you're moving on to another one. But if you want to exit out, you got to build it up to the place where it's actually attractive for somebody. Yeah. And it's not going to be attractive if you're the guy that's doing, or girl, that's doing every single thing because it, there's no scale there. There's, there's, 
they're taking over a business that's going to have to start from scratch again. Yeah. And there's kind of like this like macro exit, right? Where you like completely depart from your business mm. and you become completely detached. Well, micro exit a little bit. Like what about like, hey, I don't want to coach eight hours a day anymore. You got to figure out an exit strategy for that, right? You got to figure out how to slowly get somebody else in place who's going to be coaching at that same level to be delivering a product on the floor that you're proud of that now you can take a step back and become more of a manager and less of an operator, right? Mm. So, you know, I think that there's this sliding scale of quote unquote exit, right? Where you might not have an ultimate exit to sell your business, but you might have the exit that you want to be the person sitting in the office every day that you have a head coach and a manager and staff underneath you. And now essentially you are the owner but from a managerial perspective. That's interesting. I, I haven't thought about it that way. A micro exit versus a macro exit. It's a really good way to put it. And, and you know, on that note, if you're coaching, you're coaching all these hours, bring a co-captain in, right? And introduce that the assistant coach to your, to your classes. Let them just kind of float around for a while while you lead. Then over time, you stop leading, they're leading, and you're just kind of floating. Then over time, you could pull yourself out because now that person has created the bonds, the members as well. Yeah. And you can start slowly pulling yourself out. This doesn't happen overnight, but it's a process. Yeah. Right? That's usually important. I think that that, I mean, that goes with any onboarding of a new staff member. And that's something that we, uh, I think we do a much better job of now. And we're even getting better at it as we're going down the road of making sure that when we are onboarding a new individual into the team, whether they're an intern or a new coach, that one, the expectations are super, super crystal clear between us and them, but also that the People who are the established community leaders on the staff, the head coaches, the standout coaches, the general manager, that they are vouching for this person mm, yeah. to the community and that the individual who's coming on board is getting reps on the floor, but in a very, very low risk way that they are showing up for some classes first to take, um, you know, classes with the gym members, give some high fives some fist bumps, that they're observing classes, that they're maybe now doing some soft correcting as they're moving around the room. And it's all predicated on the fact that the standout coaches or the community leaders are behind this person. And they're telling the members, hey, you know, like, Jason's a really great guy. He joins us from X down the road. He's going to be coaching with us for a little bit. Say hello to Jason. Give him a little fist bump. Yep. That's a huge, huge deal. And it starts off slow and then it builds up. Yeah. You know, on a totally different note, last night my wife wanted to go see Jennifer Lopez. J-Lo. J-Lo. J-Lo has a daughter that's like 10 or 12 years old. And it was super interesting to me because J-Lo is doing this phenomenal show or whatever. And then they bring out her daughter. Mm. And her daughter is a singer. She's saying maybe, maybe 10 words at the most, right? And then went right back down. But it was super interesting to me because similar to coaching, it, you know, she was like the head coach. Mm -hmm. She brought in this assistant just to kind of like let them get their feet wet, let yeah. them get exposure to the community, and then went back <laughs> yeah. down. In this case, it was in front of 50,000 people. Yeah. But, but point being is like, it was this nice introduction. You're validating this person. Yeah. Then this person kind of is validated. Okay, move on. Now, next week, maybe we validate plus. Maybe yeah. she goes from 10 words to 20 words. But I am sure that JLo has a master fucking plan. Oh, I'm sure she does too. I'm sure she <laughs> and then these 10 words are going to turn into tens of millions of dollars at some point. <laughs> yeah. So, so guys trying to try and turn your coaches into JLo prodigies, but, um, I have a question actually, before we get off this topic, because I think that it's something that I'm interested in. And I think that some owners might be interested in before you even go and look at other businesses and buying other businesses, like what would you advise an affiliate owner to do internally to get their shit cleaned up? 
and then be like, Hey, it's a good time for me to go and like now purchase somebody else's business. Like, what are we talking about from like optimization standpoints or like, you know, making sure that like we are maximizing square footage, all those kinds of things. So if you're a current gym owner, current gym owner, buy another one. Yeah. And you're running a three, uh, three to 5,000 square foot gym. Well, I mean, I think three to 5,000, maybe even 6,000 is like right in that sweet spot. And I think the first question you got to ask yourself is like, do you want to buy another person's gym? Or do you just want to start from scratch? Because mm. if you were already successful one time starting from scratch, could you be successful again starting from scratch? The problem is when you take on another gym, you take on their baggage. Now, if there's too good to be true, a really good situation, maybe that's the case. Now, we've purchased one gym. Um, Cabo might be a little bit different. but We purchased one gym, and it was in Mountain View. And the reason why we purchased it, and it wasn't really a – we just bought the equipment. Mm-hmm. But we, we bought it because of the lease. So they had a super competitive lease. We couldn't find an appropriate lease in the area. Mm-hmm. So we acquired this gym specifically for that. And I knew going into it that if every single member left, which there wasn't much, there was like 50 members, but if every member left, it was still a good deal for us because we got such a great deal on the space um, and the location. Now, if you're an owner out there and you're thinking, hey, how do I expand my current business? Well, the first question I ask myself, am I optimizing my current business? Mm-hmm. I got an email yesterday from someone who's in Brazil She's like, we have two classes in the morning, three classes in the evening. Um, you know, what else can we do? Well, the question is, you're paying rent 24-7, 365. Yeah. Are you currently getting the most value out of that? And if you're at 100 members, so from all of my experience, and we've talked about this before, if you're at 100 members per every 1,000 square feet, you're basically at an optimized level for your location. So if you have 3,000 square feet and you have 300 members, you're pretty getting much optimized. Close to it, yeah. yeah, I mean, like... From all of my experience, that's pretty much where we're at. Now, if you are there and you're ready to take on something else, you then got to start having these co-captains. Talking to a guy in London the other day, and he's a big owner-operator. I told him he needs to start doing the JLo process, right? Integrating people into the class, and then eventually they become the head, and this person just the mayor. This way, when that owner does want to go off and go open up a new business, you got to have the foresight for that a year in advance because you need to train up team to make your members feel comfortable enough with that team so that when you transition out and you go focus on this new business, yeah. your members aren't resentful. Yeah. That's super, super important. You got to start that process like a year in advance. That's another really, really good point. The fact that having the foresight to say, hey, listen, down the road, I want to own that second gym to have the team in place, to have the members bought into that person so that when you go and now you're focused 90% of your time, physical time, you're in that new space that your whole gym doesn't get pitchforks and tars and feathers and try to confine you and pull you back, right? Yep, that's yeah. exactly right. Or what we've done in the past, this was years ago, we had a key key personnel in, in our current location. He went off and opened another location underneath our umbrella and I would just go over there and float, but I would still maintain the main headquarters. Mm. I don't know if I would do that again. I think the recommendation would be the owner should go off, make the new one kind of like their baby, build it up from the foundation so that it has the same ethos, the same culture as what the first one does. Yeah. Um, but I think that's important to have that foresight. So are you currently optimizing? If you do think so, then you got to start saying, am I, do I have the team in place? And some people ask me, Hey, it's really hard to find good team. Yeah. You're probably not appropriately. It's hard to say, but the biggest concern people are having right now is they can't find key talent. That's really hard. I think, I think really, really, really good talent is at a premium. I, I, you know, people who are coaching at an extremely high level, I think right now when you look at the uh, overall talent pool, it's rare to get somebody who walks through your doors who you can just go, that person's got it. I don't have to watch their back at all. 
And in my opinion, it probably shouldn't be that simple. Like you should have to indoctrinate somebody into your culture. You should have to walk them through how you want to see things done. Um, but it's on you as the owner when you're, when you're out there searching for talent to find people who you think that you can train and can be molded and who have the ability to care, right, and uh, the desire to be excellent. And if they have those two things, if they're, a good, if they're a good person, if they really, really care a whole lot about what they do and they want to be doing this and they have the desire to push themselves beyond mediocrity every single day for you know that push towards greatness, you can teach anybody how to teach C and correct and you know evaluate the air squat and teach the progression to the push jerk. All that stuff is formulaic, man. It can be learned. It takes study time and a whole shitload of fucking repetitions that you got to do. You got to be on the floor and you got to coach and you got to be a co-coach and you got to watch and you got to mess it up and you got to go out yeah. there and try again. And that's the owner's responsibility though. The owner's yeah. responsibility is train and develop. And where some people, if you're listening right now, you, your team, if it's not up to the caliber you're looking for, that the onus is on you. If you're the team captain of a football team or whatever, if you're the head coach, your responsibility is to put the best players on the floor. But those best players also need to continuously be developed. They might have came in with a lot of talent, but now you got to make sure they're all meshing together and coaching the way you in your facility want it to be coached. Yeah. And you got to give guidance and direction. And the guidance and direction that you're providing also has to align financially. And that's something where in our industry it's lacking is that, guys, people need to be able to make a living. And that includes you as a gym owner. Mm -hmm. And if your aspirations and your goals, I was looking at a survey for a seminar I'm doing soon. And the survey was, hey, what is your current take home? What are you looking to take home? And the look take home was far below my expectation because all these owners are taking on all this risk and liability. They got to think bigger. They got to think about growing something special. And if you're not thinking that way to grow it to a sustainable business model, that's fine. But maybe you should just become a head coach somewhere. Because if you're making 30 grand a year and one person sues you, mm. There it goes. Yeah. Or at least be aware of those risks, yep. right? And be okay with it. And hey, listen, I'm okay with running a mom and pop type of shop gym and this is what I take home. And you have to have an understanding of the risks and liabilities there then. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, we've seen it time and time again. So Yeah, for sure. Look, we're going off on a ton of different tangents today, but I think there's a lot of value to unpack here. If you're someone that's interested in opening and in, in taking over a gym, go back to those things we were just talking about. And if you could say yes... I have the credibility, the gym, I'm getting it for a steal. It has a great lease. Then go for it. Mm -hmm. And when you go for it, crush it. And if you're an owner and you're thinking about your exits, you could think on a micro scale, a macro scale, and where are you going to be a year or two from now? But we got to get out of the weeds, right? We got to see the forest through the trees. We got to be able to sit back and say, hey, what are my goals for this business? Where am I going? What am I trying to do? And why am I trying to do it? And is my entire team on board with this concept? And, and stop treating it like a, like, a, like a place where you go in and you work out every day. Yeah. If, if, if I get one more direct message that's just stupid and looking for an answer, guys, you'll never find the answer unless you're actually willing to put in the work. And the messages I get are constantly about the same stuff. And they're looking for some solution to a problem that they already know the solution. They got to get off their ass and start moving and start progressing their business and create a vision Get the team on board and put one foot in front of the other, like I always talk about, and get after it. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm, it's Friday, man. We're gonna. We got a lot of <laughs> get fired a, up. We got a lot of meetings today. It's a good day, but guys, we're supposed to get into our programming philosophy. Maybe next time. But I think that's gonna be next time. 
to, to, to summarize our programming philosophy, I think what's important is if you are part of the NC Fit Collective, which is our session plans, our programming, our daily videos that we use in over 20 of our own locations, right? Not something we just come up with. This is actually in our gyms. Yeah. So we get to see the, the, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And that's, that's always the most important thing for me when I'm thinking about collective is the fact that like the workouts and the session plans that we put together, they have to be great. They cannot be sub great. They cannot be okay. They cannot be good because I'm looking at our classes every single freaking day and I'm seeing what we are creating and implementing from the uh, programming session plan side, go down on the floor and it's gotta be the best. It has to be the best because if it's not the best for us, then we're, we're, we're screwed. Yeah, yeah, we're screwed. And, and, and so, you know, we have came up with a, a system of multiple different programs here, primarily because of the need of the last 10, 12 years. And we'll, we'll dive into those in the next episode. You know, there's just, there's so much to unpack in our programming, but the key that people need to understand about our business is scale. Mm-hmm. What the, the reason why I believe we're putting out the world's best session plans, programming, and videos is because we've developed the team to do that. And it's taken us 12 years to get there. So if someone wants to try and do it next month, go for it. But you're not going to have, you know, 10 head coaches that are contributing to in-depth session plans and videos because we have the scale because of all of our locations. Yeah. And you're not going to have, you know, the back end office to support all these different things. And those are the pieces that we could provide gym owners to take it off their plate so that they could go out and go build their business enough so that one day if they ever want to exit, they'll have the ability to do so. And that, that makes me proud. Honestly, like I, I get proud that gyms fly the NC fit collective flag, call it the collective flag, call it whatever you want. But I get proud because the feedback we hear is that it's, it's, it's helping them focus on building their business and put out the best product on the floor. And if that's the case, then the tide will always continue to rise. Yeah. It, it, it I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Jay. Like I, it, it gives me chills. I get extremely, extremely fired up when we're talking about this because it's, it's something that we are doing, like I said, for our own business. It is the driving factor of what we do day in and day out. A product on the floor has to be excellent. But when we are taking these tools and we're providing them to other business owners, it allows business owners to go out there and develop their own business, to grow, to do things that they were not able to do because they were so lost in minutia on programming and going out there and coaching eight classes a day. It also solves the most fundamental fucking problem that there is in the in the space today. This is there is no daily development for coaches or trainers. I say that again. There's absolutely no daily development for coaches and trainers. So once these guys walk out of their certs or certifications, which I think are the best in the world, the education that they will get for their level one, their level two and, and beyond, they a lot of these guys don't have places to go to continue to learn. You need to be continuing that journey. And obviously you can learn on the floor, you go out there and you can coach and learn by experimentation, get feedback and development. But the collective provides actual blueprint for people for daily execution of an excellent class, but also long-term development. So you are getting better every single time you're reading, you're studying, you're listening to a stimulus, you're looking at scaling options, you're understanding how we're outlining progressions. And that to me solves the most fundamental issue in the coaching space today. Yep. Continuous improvement. Well, guys, look, whether you're out there and you know, I always say this, I don't care what kind of gym business you're in. I don't care what kind of business you're in. You could have some takeaways from all these conversations we're having because I get messages that people do. But at the end of the day, nobody owes you anything. It's all up to you whether your business is successful or not or if you're developing your career path. If you're a coach out there, 
and you don't feel like your gym owner is providing you opportunities, you need to have a hard conversation with them. Have it, discuss it, and create a plan for yourself. I hope everybody out there continues to get after it. If you're interested in the collective, email collective at nc.fit for a trial or go visit our website. Yeah. And we would love to see, you know, more gyms be a part of it. Message me with questions that have an answer to them. Don't message me, please, with vague stuff. Like, how do you start a business? Well, dude, what am I supposed to tell you, right? Ask me specific questions. I'll get back to you. Ask me questions that are not specific that are like, you know, <laughs> I want to get more fit. What do you recommend? Well, dude, you got to start working out. Start so, lifting weights. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, hey, everybody have a phenomenal day. Thanks, MDV. Let's go. And uh, Let's it's go. Fired Let's Up go. Friday. <laughs>